Knowledge is the key. CannabisRadio.com is here to keep you in the know on Just Say No. Did you know there are over 100 medical conditions that can benefit from cannabis therapy? Just Say No talks to patients who have used cannabis to treat their medical symptoms and create a better quality of life. Each week, we will tackle a chronic condition by talking to patients, doctors, and researchers with the goal to helping you live, learn, and thrive. Just say yes to Just Say No. Now here is your host, Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com, and welcome to Just Say No. Each week here on Just Say No, we evaluate, investigate, and give a thorough look at all the various diseases we think that cannabis therapy can help. Today on our show, we're very excited to have Wayne Justman joining us. Wayne was the very first medical marijuana patient in California. He got his medical marijuana card all the way back in the year 2000 to help in his treatment of AIDS. And Wayne now works as an advisor and consultant for dispensaries in California. Hello, Wayne, and thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. It is my pleasure, indeed, and to the many friends that you have. I hope that they will find this as enjoyable as we all will during the time we have this discussion. <laughs> I'm sure they will. It's kind of like having a celebrity on, actually, so we're very excited to have oh, you. Oh, not really. And, and, <laughs> and by the way, for the listeners or something like that, please, while, while they're listening to us, et cetera, et cetera, and if they wish to medicate however they want to do that, Enjoy that while we, we visit with them. <laughs> very good, very good. Good <laughs> advice. I want them to be comfortable listening to us chat. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. When were you diagnosed with HIV? Uh, July 12, 1988. How's that for being definite? That July 12, yes. of 1988. It is... Just like uh, I graduated college June 2nd, 19, there are significant days, and now I'm approaching 71 mm. years of age. There are significant days that will always remain with me. And when I was diagnosed in 1988, unfortunately, too many people at that time found it to be a death sentence, That's and right. too many of my friends have, have passed away. I am fortunate that I am not one of those patients but July 12th of 1988, I was diagnosed HIV positive. And how did you learn? Did you show symptoms? What, no, what? quite honestly, uh, I was in need, and I just got here to San Francisco in late 87 and 88, and I was in need of some body change because I didn't have any employment that, that coming out here, and I wasn't sure what were, life was headed for me at that time. And a friend of mine told me, that, listen, you can go down and donate some plasma at, at this medical clinic, and they'll give you, I don't know, 12 15 $18, some, something like that. But yeah. for a guy that needed the money, hell, it was good. So I went in there and donated and did the necessary things. And then I think like four or five days later, you could go back and try the same thing again. And so I went back and I registered and a nurse called my name and she took me into the office and she said, with the medical tests that they did, uh, yeah. it seems to be an indication that I have the HIV virus within my body. And they suggested that too, that I get a second opinion. I remember walking out of the office and it was near Sixth and Mission downtown here. And I, I kind of looked around and I said, my first kind of thought was, you know, this is not going to kill me. And why I huh. said that then, and I think about it today, I really mean that. 
Yeah. Everybody else was dying. Listen, yeah. I got a lot of people that died. But anyway, I think that next day I made an appointment to go to San Francisco General Hospital where they did the second test, and I was determined definitely to be HIV positive. So go back to 1988. There's where we are. That must have been quite a day for you. Do you know how you contracted HIV? I'm quite sure it's sexual. I'm not sure who the partner was, male and or female. I know it was not through intravenous drugs because I'm not, nor have I ever used drugs, a uh, needle or anything like that. So my assumption is it had to come through sexual contact, and I'm not sure who the partner is and or was. What were your next steps after you learned that you had HIV? I mean, what was available to people back then as far as treatment? When I went to a general hospital, I uh, was visiting with the doctors that did that. I said, well, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, uh, again, it's 1988. The virus and all of this stuff is just starting to come out in the newspapers. And if you're living here, you oh, this person has HIV and this, oh, this person has HIV. This person died. And, I mean, things are really uncertain at that time. So I asked, well, what do I do? And they suggested to set up, and they recommended a clinic called Tom Waddell Clinic, which is in the Department of Public Health building here in San Francisco to go down there and become a patient there. And again, that following day, so I've got three days in a row. One, when I found out I was HIV positive. The second day, when I went out to general to find out if that's true. And then the third day, I made an appointment with Tom Bedell Clinic to see a doctor and get this treatment. And whoever is diagnosed with any kind of disease yeah. or any kind of condition, waiting is not something I think you should gamble with. So I didn't gamble with any of this. And I got hooked up with Tom Waddell Clinic, and I think probably three or four days later, I was in there. They had my blood tests already, and then they set up the regimen. And at those days, it wasn't the cocktails, this combination and that combination. Yeah, gonna, what we uh... basically had were two drugs that I remember, uh, a drug just A-Z-T was oh, the that's combination. Right. That's right. And then also, too, the other drug that was big in those times was Zerit, Z-E-R-I-T. And these drugs took the human body into another kind of dimension as far as its side effects. Because for myself, and we'll talk in all too, too, about cannabis dispensaries and all, I learned a whole lot about HIV AIDS and it's how you take care of patients with HIV AIDS sitting around a table or sitting in chairs using cannabis at a dispensary here in San Francisco. They served us all very, very well. But anyway, I found out, like other people, these drugs were tremendously difficult. Getting up in the morning and being nauseous, that was pretty much of a routine. That's pretty much of a routine. And until you were able to eliminate some of the bile or whatever food particles that there might be, and then try to take some liquid, some milk, some juice, whatever you could tolerate, then you start that over. For myself, what I tried to do was, once I took, again, my medication uh, morning and evening, what I tried to do then is sit down once I had to vomit or whatever and smoke a joint, smoke a some cannabis to let my whole system just kind of, okay, let's settle down, let's settle down. Let's, yeah. let's try to get a hold of the body. Let's try to make sure that we can get something nourishment in. And there were times when being hungry, you just the, the appetite was gone because of the drugs. 
tell you what, Wayne, I want to get into that and, and what you well, took, but we do need to take okay. our first break. When we come back, we'll talk with Wayne Justman about his experience treating HIV AIDS with marijuana. We will be right back once you get to know our sponsors. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Just Say No, spelled K-N-O-W, is back with more conversation about curing and healing with cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Just Say No. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com. We've been discussing the history of medical marijuana in California with Wayne Justman. Wayne, I have a quick question before we jump into what your regimen is. Prop 215 was passed in 1996. Are you the first person in America to get your medical card? At that time, we had a few dispensaries here in San Francisco. The Cannabis Fires Cooperative that Dennis Perron and I operated at 194 Church Street and then 1444, we had our own identification card. You, you follow uh, what I mean? We, we had yeah, our own card. Okay. But, then there were a few other dispensaries who had cards as well. But when Dennis closed in, in 1998, and then uh, it took us a while just to find another location, I opened a dispensary in 1999 here in San Francisco. Terrence Hallinan was our district attorney, a good, close friend of mine, and Mark Leno at that time was a supervisor here in the city and county of San Francisco. He went on to be an assemblyman. He is now serving in the state senate. So what I'm saying is we had the politicians pretty well lined up as far as support was concerned. And in 1999, I was with Terrence at a meeting with some other people, and I said, Terrence, I said, 
you know, a lot were being pushed around by the federal government. They had a raid still going on and intimidations. And I said, can we do something that can give the patient just a little bit more clout? And, of course, go see Mark. And that parents was a supervisor. Go see Mark. So I went over and I saw uh, Supervisor Leno, or now Senator Leno. Hey, we got to do something about this. So he and I sat down together with his office, and we developed a identification card program that the Department Department of Public Health in the city and county of San Francisco handled. All right, all that was was a form that I, as a patient, took over to the office at the Department of Public Health. They took a photo of me. Now, my name didn't appear on the ID, my address, nothing about me personally. There was just a photo of me and then a 16-digit number. And what was so important about that, though, is that on the top said, City and County of San Francisco, Department of Public Health. Mm-hmm. And that was important for us in those days because it wasn't Joe's Weed Shack. Or, you, you yeah. follow what I mean? Yeah, you know, and exactly. like, well, what the hell is this? You know, what the hell is this? You know, a lot of times people would have their cards. They would say that in those years, of, oh, this is, what is this? No, we wanted to put a little bit of clout to it. And also, too, please understand, we're talking 15 years ago, guys. Yeah. Not everybody, not everybody wanted to be part of this program. Well, I mean, I there was not, well, we don't, we don't want this, push, we don't want this. Oh, yeah, well, they're going to keep files of it. And no matter how you try to assure, no, they're not keeping it. No, they're not keeping No, yeah. folks didn't want it. And so I thought it was pretty easy. Well, hell, I've got to be the first one then that goes through that door. And not to say, okay, come on, everybody. Not that I'll lead the way, but yeah, we'll lead that way. And so that's how I got the first identification for a patient in California. And then a couple so, of years wait, later... Wait, wait, this was after 215 had already passed, but nothing had been done since then, right? So right, you, were, right. you, exactly. created, you basically exactly. created your own card. Exactly. But, but listen, listen, we did it for San Francisco. Right. But then also, too, I helped some people down in West Hollywood open this venture in 2004. And I helped some people in Venice Beach open up a facility on Lincoln Boulevard. Both these facilities are still going. So yeah. I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. If I fly down, drive down, there, I want to smoke marijuana. And so we're going to have to have something. And if they want to come up here, we'll just have to expand this card program from just the city and county of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But let's pass it, make it part of Senate Bill 420, and right. make it available for the entire state. And that's exactly what we did. And again, we had great cooperation from Senator Amiano, Assemblyman Amiano, and Assemblyman. So it didn't all work. But that's the genesis of the card program that started in 2000 for San Francisco and then was expanded to what the state of California has now. And it's been used as a model for other states thus far. As a matter of fact, as I'm speaking to you right now, I just pulled the bar card out of an envelope that it's been in for a while. I'll tell you what, I could go on with you about the history forever, but our show, we like to focus on actually treating diseases. So what do you take? What symptoms are you primarily focused on controlling with marijuana? There are three medications that I take each day, once in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm taking a medication called Epsicom. E-P-I-C-O-M, Epsicon. 
I'm taking another medication called Riazza, R-E-Y-A-T-A-Z, Riazza. Mm -hmm. And then my third medication that I am taking is Norvir, N-O-R-V-I-R. Now, over the course of 27 years plus of being positive, I have gone through a number of various cocktails and medications. And so if someone were to say, have I tried this? I probably have, or I have tried this. But right now, these three medications that I'm taking have been pretty stable for me probably in the last three years. And I just came off of my two doctors. I have my HIV doctor, and then I've got another doctor that kind of pulls things together. And I just saw them both Wednesday and Thursday. My T cells are about 600, which is awfully good. Again, I'm nearing 71 years of age and 28 years of the virus. My viral load is not detectable, and I'm fortunate in that regard it hasn't been detectable in all of the years that I have been tested. I'm going to think about this. It's a virus, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe, just maybe, I don't have a very destructive virus in my system. I'm not sure if that makes any sense to anybody. And here's the reason why I want to say that to you. There are too many guys, more more men here in San Francisco than women, although I did know some that died. Too many people were pretty much diagnosed soon after I was or a little bit before I was, and they're yeah. dead. You, you hear them one day, hey, God, I just found out I'm HIV positive. Four, five, six months later, they're dead. And, I mean, that's what was happening in that time. Wayne, I'm going to take a break right here. But when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about what you're taking and uh, just kind of what you see happening in dispensaries these days. We will be right back once you get to know our sponsors. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Just Say No, spelled K-N-O-W, 
is back with more conversation about curing and healing with cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com, and we've been talking to Wayne Justman about treating HIV and AIDS with marijuana. Wayne, let's get into exactly what you take on a daily basis as far as marijuana is concerned. Are you, are you eating? Are you vaping? Are you smoking? How much do you take? You know, I'm very fortunate in the regards that I use many different delivery systems to get cannabis, THC, CBDs into my system. Principally, I use a pipe. I'm looking right now at a table right next to a chair that I sit and do a lot of work. A very, very simple pipe. The cannabis is already, I ground my cannabis with a grinder, so I use the pipe. I also have uh, some good friends of mine who provide with me some wax, and I'm able to use wax here. I use it with charcoal here at my home. For me, that's a real good calmer because if there's something that I have a misfortune of dealing with is sometimes stress in my life, and I appreciate what that oil does. I also, too, in, uh, I have some baked goods in my refrigerator that hey, Wayne, I... Do you, uh, do you find uh, high CBD strains to help? I mean, I know there's been a shift from THC to CBD over the past few years. Are you taking high CBD strains to help with inflammation or anything like that? You know, yeah, I really do. But what's interesting, I try to mix it. There are a number of wonderful dispensaries here, but I try to get uh, something that has the high THC content. Not, of course, for that, quote, that high. Uh, just, I don't know that concept that we'll ever understand, quote, that euphoria or that yeah. high. There, there are sometimes, for myself, if I have that THC content, it's almost like, hey, Wayne, your brain's just opened up and you have a little bit better vision because I know when I was writing some of this legislation for these card programs and our sanctuary and other resolutions, I was medicating at the same time. Yeah. You know, so I put that. But then, but then also, too, if during the evening, if I want to chill a little bit, oh, now comes the CBDs coming in. You know, they'll come in here, and then we'll chill a little bit. But I think, again, what's kind of important is each patient must understand what they are trying to accomplish with their use of cannabis, what time of day it is, what their activities are. The better informed you can be about cannabis, the more you're going to appreciate the cannabis, the more it's going to be cost-effective for you, and especially health-effective for you. Gotcha. Now let's talk a little bit about, I know you're a consultant to dispensaries now. What do you see happening in 2016? Let's say we go recreational. Are we still going to have this focus on medical? Are we going to split it up like we do in, in Colorado between the, the two different types? What, what would you like to see as a medical patient of marijuana? Well, just over this past weekend, Friday Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, our state legislature has made an attempt to put some bills together and to pass them on to Governor Brown's uh, desk for either his signature or his lack of signature. And I read it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure of too many people who are happy at all with what the legislature has put together. Unfortunately, we get the heavy-handedness of law enforcement and heavy-handedness of policy people 
to interfere and what should be, let's start with a simple program. As the program matures, then we can hone into adding this or adding that. But right now they're just throwing, throwing so many things on the patient, on the cultivator, and then even they want to box in the doctors but, well, how many prescriptions do you write and why are you writing so many of them? I mean, right. I'm a little challenged by that because I thought that was part of the doctor-to-patient relationship, just like attorney and client. What the hell do you, you don't have to know what I use, yeah. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And I'm one of these guys, though, Ryan. I'm one of these guys. I insist that my medical records include the fact that I use cannabis. That's yep. listed. I got eight. I got eight drugs that I take for my blood pressure, my heart attack, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is just included right there. Cannabis, right there with warfarin or all these drugs that I use. Boom, it's there. I want it to be known that I use cannabis. That's my medical requirements. So, do you think that we're still going to have this focus on medical after 2016, or do you like the idea of recreational use? Well, I don't understand the word recreational. That just is what I heard that years ago. <laughs> it's still, yeah, so, yeah. Well, you know, it's like this, Ryan. How about the three of us? A couple of guys at your office. Hey, let's go have, let's go down to the street and have a recreational beer. Just, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> right, what? Right, right. A, a recreational beer. What <laughs> does cannabis? To me, recreation is let you and I have to toss a ball with one another or go bowl with a physical kind of activity. We're recreating our bodies, et cetera, et cetera. Not sitting down and mellowing out. So I misunderstand that concept. I would rather, maybe I'm old-fashioned and I think I'm getting that way. Adult use, I would prefer that, but I'm not going to get into technicality. I think it's going to be one hell of an interesting discussion on what's going to happen with the adult use of cannabis and the medical use of cannabis. I think what's interesting is how states and its citizens and, and also, too, are looking at, well, really, this is such an outrageous drug in our society that in the 20s and 30s by a lot of bigoted and angry white men put uh, cannabis in uh, a Schedule One, et cetera, et cetera. To me, it's probably one of the best hopes that have been put on our society by crooked business people that occurred in the, in the 20s and 30s and, and even the 40s. It's interesting reading with how we got there because we're finding out all over the world how cannabis is helping people with Alzheimer's, with broken bones, with cancer, many of these other things, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be interesting on how they blend the, quote, recreational or adult use of cannabis with the medical use of cannabis. I don't want to see that blended at all, but then I don't see how it can be kept apart. It's like, well, gotcha. you want to go to this place for beer, but you got to go to this other place for whiskey and wine. I'll tell you what, Wayne, we're, we're out of time. It's a short show. Yeah. <laughs> but I did want to thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I'd like to thank Wayne Justman and our producers for finding these great guests and making us sound good on the air after this is over. You can download our episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook and Google+. 
For more information about our guests and to read more about patients using marijuana to control their symptoms and talk to me, you can go to mjwellness.com. To reach Wayne Justman, the best way is just to go to Facebook and type in Wayne Justman. And that's Justman with two N's on the end of the name. Join us next week when we'll tackle another condition that can be managed by using marijuana therapy. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.